dead. How many know he can do something big in our lives as well, huh? Praise the Lord. Listen, greet your neighbor one more time. Tell them you are glad they're here and you may be seated today. We've got uh, kids going to Velocity Junior High Age and we're, I want to dismiss the Connect class as well. It's a class that meets in our cafe. It's designed for new people. Joe Williams, one of our elders, is teaching that so you are free to be dismissed. Kind of our way for new people to connect here at Church on the Rock. Well, good morning. Well, it is good to be home. My wife and I and family were on vacation for a few days. And uh, actually, the little slide they were showing during the worship song with the waves coming in, we went to Galveston on the beach, and she said, would you like to go back? And I said, well, how long did it take to get there? <laughs> but anyway, they spent all my money, and I had to come home. <laughs> but I'm glad to be home. Great time with family. How many know you just have to kind of get out of the out of the routines of life to connect you with your family, your wife, your kids, your husband. You know, life just gets stretched a little bit. Whether you spend a lot of money or little money, the main thing is that you've got time with those you love. Praise the Lord. Well, let me tell you a couple things about a vacation. The most exciting thing, I think, that happened, I went to play golf with my son, and on the way back, I saw this truck, and this guy was selling watermelons. And I thought, well, you know, like watermelons, wanted to get one, so... I pulled over, and it was this older man. Come to find out he was 74 years of age. And about five minutes, I'd heard every cuss word in the world and all those that I used to say, too. And I realized uh, after a while that, man, this man needs a little help here. This man needs a little hope in life because everything was GD this and, you know, on down the line. Didn't judge him or anything because I've been there. How about you? And just got to talking to his heart a little bit. And, and uh, finally, in the point of the conversation, I said, could I ask you a pretty serious question? He said, well, sure, i got nothing else to do here. And I said, I hope this never happens, but what if somebody came in here and, and you were to die unexpectedly, somebody shoot you, or a car run off the road and hit you, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? And he looked at me and he said, he said, I don't know. He said, the only time I've ever been to church was I went one time for a free meal. And I said, well, could I tell you what the Bible says about God's love for you and about what Jesus Christ has done for us? And he said, well, sure. So we sat out on the back of that pickup, car is just riding by. Before I knew it, this 74-year-old man taking my hand and tears in his eyes and prayed to receive Christ. Isn't that a great thing? Now, I share that with you because part of the passion of our church and our mission is that we endeavor to help you be a person that every day connects to God connects to friends, ministry in the world. And world is not the globe and some, you know, global social issue deal, but it's connecting with the world is simply helping you connect with people who need Christ, whether it's missions that are in Indonesia, the Philippines, or North Dakota, or whether it's right here in your everyday world. How many know people need Christ? And you know what? He bowed his head. He said, can you imagine that? Went to church one time in my life, 74 years of age. And I said, well, do you have a Bible? Because I want to leave him with something. He said, I do have one. Someone gave me one. And it was a little bitty Gideon's Bible. I could tell it had never been opened. And it was the same kind of Bible that someone gave me when I became a Christian. So I said, listen, you start reading right here in the Gospel of John. And I opened the back page with that Gideon Bible where it talks about our problem with sin and salvation. So it was a wonderful experience. That was a good thing. The bad thing, on the way home, the last little stop there, we stopped to get ice cream. 
morning, and uh, Rebecca had got a little kid one, you know, kid size, and I had eaten too much, so I decided I would slim down. Give me a small one. She said, sure. My wife tried to get a small one, too, a kid size, and she said, well, I can't sell it to you, ma'am. She said, why not? She said, well, I can only give that to children under 10 and seniors. <laughs> now, my kids laughed like you did. Only 53, and a young-looking 53, and some of you that are laughing at me. I can be insulted in other places. Well, it's August. Just yesterday, your kids were in school. I mean, just like that, the summer is flying by. Yesterday, my wife took my daughter uh, school shopping. Can you believe it? Seasons are just moving along. But here's something I want to tell you this morning. There's an opportunity not just for summer to become fall and cool weather, but listen, you're about to step into an opportunity for spiritual change. Let me say it again. You're about to step into a season where there's an opportunity for spiritual change. See, it's pretty. It's interesting. I've been pastoring a long time, and I noticed long about January, but also sometimes in August, early September, people kind of pause from the summer and they reorient themselves to spiritual things. And that's right exactly where you are today. And you say we've kind of decorated our stage as a construction zone with a new series to suggest to you that we are all under construction as we're going to a different place in our spiritual life. How many of you as an individual are under construction? Your marriage may be under construction. How how many of you it's in trouble? God doesn't want you to break it apart. God wants you to do some rebuilding and bring that thing back together. Your life may be a mess. It may need some construction. See, you may need to have some things where God works on your heart to bring you to a different place. And that's what I want to address in this series called Under Construction. Not only you as an individual, but let me tell you this. America is under construction. America desperately needs to have her righteous foundation rebuilt or it's no telling what our nation is going to look like in the future. We are on the edge of an abyss. And this is a season that is more than just midterm elections where there's politics as usual, but there is a spiritual battle that's going on for the soul of our nation. Are you with me today? And our nation desperately needs to rebuild its spiritual foundations. See, uh, we're going to be going to the book of Nehemiah, if you want to make your way there. Nehemiah chapter 2. And Not only does God want to rebuild our lives, He wants to rebuild our nation. He wants to rebuild our church. Uh, the church of Jesus Christ as a whole has got some problems. How many know that? But our church is a time of rebuilding. This fall, some really neat things are happening. We're making room for more people starting a Saturday night service this fall. Uh, we're starting a brand new way of connecting new people to Church on the Rock. I see so many faces in the congregation of people that I don't know. I've just met a time or two. I know you're here because you genuinely are looking for God. You want your life to make a difference. Starting in September, we're doing something brand new to help new people connect in our church. We're starting this fall a new emphasis on discipleship and relationships in the local church, as well as developing a system, a new system of Bible training and spiritual growth. So it's kind of a construction time in us as individuals, a time in our church and a time in our nation. And I want to go to the book of Nehemiah to kind of look at a a, a parallel to what I want to suggest to you as a time of rebuilding in our lives today, a rebuilding time that God was doing in the ancient nation of Israel. 
There's a lot of parallels between the Old Testament passage I'll look at you today and what's going on in the American context today. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17. Now, Nehemiah, as I'll speak more about him in a moment, but he is a governor... He has left this land of captivity where he served the pagan king, and he's going back to rebuild the walls in Jerusalem. We'll talk about that. They had this huge temple complex that had been destroyed because of their sinfulness and wickedness. God carried them away into exile, but there was a wall that surrounded the city. This wall is very key to what I'm going to tell you about today. This wall was supposedly to protect them from evil, but was also to be a boundary for the righteousness and the people of God. But it was broken down and it was torn down and God was going to rebuild that. And these are the first words of Nehemiah, if I could introduce this series to you under construction. Verse 17, he's speaking to the Jewish people. He said, Now I said to them, You know very well what trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. And I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me, about my conversation with the king, this king, this Persian king. And they replied at once, yes, let us, say it with me, rebuild the wall. Can you say it again? Rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. Now, here's something I know. You're about to step into a new spiritual season. And in about four to six weeks, you're going to be in a new pattern that you're going to head uh, on the path towards Christmas season, towards the end of the year. You're going to set yourself in motion towards what you're going to be doing with the next few months. And I want to suggest this to you. God wants to bring you to another place in your spiritual life. See, it, you may be well at a, at a decent spiritual place, but how many know you don't want to live at a good spiritual level if there's better and there's best? You don't want to be satisfied where you are. You may have a good marriage, but God wants you to have a better marriage. Your home life may be good, but I want to tell you, it can be better. Listen, our church may be doing some good things, but it can be better. And there is still best down the road. Are you with me today? Listen, America is still the greatest nation on this planet. But guess what? America needs to be better than she is today. Uh, America's foundations are, are shaking at the very core. And a nation that was founded on biblical principles and freedom is now headed in the opposite direction. Are you with me today? It's headed more towards more control, more government, certainly less godliness. It's okay if you talk about some, some, uh, if you can talk about Muslims and you can talk about Buddha and you can talk about New Age, but don't bring up Jesus in the American context today. Are you with me? How many know America's foundations have been distorted? Americans, Americans as a nation, it doesn't seem like we know if men should marry men or women should marry women. We are confused as American people. See, secularism has invade, invaded our nation. And it's like this hint of godliness. And what's happened is the church has been silenced within her walls. The church has almost become apathetic. We are at ease in Zion, to borrow an Old Testament phrase. And things are just, hopefully somebody else will take care of it. Well, listen, it's time for a roar, if I can use that word, to return from the church. Not just noise, but a return to righteousness, a return to purity, a return to godliness, a genuine expression of the power of God in the lives of people. See, where churches come to churches, where people come to church, broken people come to be healed, to be delivered, to be free. Listen, well, for the church to get there, God's got to do some construction in our lives. And that's what this series is going to introduce to you. In this Old Testament books of Ezra and Nehemiah, now they're very, very interesting books. If you want to, two of my favorite books in the whole Old Testament are Ezra and Nehemiah. Because it tells this story of, first of all, how the people of God, for over 600 years, 
God had been warning the nation of Israel that you can go too far, and if you finally reach the edge, you'll fall off and I'll judge you. He warned them through Moses, all the major and minor prophets, and finally God said, I've had enough. The northern tribes were exiled to Assyria. The southern tribes were exiled to Babylon. But the wonderful thing was that God just didn't leave them in a ditch. See, God gave a prophetic word through the prophet Jeremiah. And God was able to look into the future through Jeremiah. Aren't you glad God knows tomorrow, today? See, aren't you glad God knows what's going to happen for the rest of your life before it even happens? See, and you can trust Him because you can depend on Him. Well, he said through the mouth of Jeremiah that a man named Cyrus, who was not even the king yet, was one day going to let Israel go back and rebuild their temple. And that's what happened in the book of Ezra. It was a time of rebuilding. 42,000 Jews left captivity and went back to their homeland to rebuild the temple, which was the, the place of worship. But the problem is everything was devastated. Everything was broken down. And this wall was still broken down. Well, lo and behold, just like happens today, opposition comes. Because here's what I know. If you try to fix your family, your marriage, your business, if you try to live by Christian principles, you're going to face opposition. How many know that? If you try to go to your college classroom and say and, 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 and have an argument against evolution, you'll be laughed at, you'll be belittled. Mind you now, they don't have evidence to back up their claims that they came from pond scum. Come on. You would think if you believe that your brain developed from pond scum, that it just may be making some bad decisions, but the world doesn't believe that. So you'll face opposition, but here's the deal. You need to press through your opposition. And what happened in the book of Nehemiah is we'll explore it over these coming weeks together. You will see that when they faced opposition, first they stopped, and then the prophets Haggai and Zechariah began to prophesy. And what happens? And they rebuilt the temple, but guess what happened? They stopped again. And they didn't build this wall. It was a time that there was a construction that was needed, but the people didn't have it within them. It's almost, they were like satisfied where they were. And as I look in the mirror, listen, as I look in the mirror, I know that there's more that God is expecting from me. There's more that God is requiring of me. How about you? See, listen, our interstate system in front of our church and through the middle of Texarkana, it was okay a few years ago, right? <laughs> but they're doing reconstruction, and it's pretty tore up right now. But in just a few months, guess what? You're going to be flying down those access roads. I mean, the bridges are all going to be working because we submitted ourselves as a community to some reconstruction. See, and as you and I do the same thing, as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, to work in our marriages, to work in our homes, to work in our church, and once again work in our nation, God will rebuild us on the righteous foundation we once knew. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Now, these walls are very, very key. I want to explore this with you today. Uh, Psalm 11, verse 3. This wall, I believe, is a prophetic picture. It is a type. This wall around Jerusalem that was broken down. You see, it was a boundary that separated the righteous activity of the people of God, and it kept evil out. And these walls have been broken down in America today. Listen to the psalm, Psalms 11, verse 3. It says, the foundations of law and order have collapsed. Let me say it again. The foundation of law and order has collapsed. What can the righteous do? When you look at the decision that was behind the immigration issue in Arizona, it's like, here, the federal government won't do what they're supposed to do by protecting its citizens. Come on, with compassion... You understand, we have immigration laws in America. We've just decided to ignore them. So a state decides that they're going to 
going to begin to enforce what the federal government has already had in place and are just not enforcing. And then our federal government sues our state government and now people are riding all over America. They're jumping in ball fields and waving flags. Come on. Somewhere in the insanity that goes on in, that's going on in America today, America has lost her boundaries. See, we can still be compassionate but still be a people governed by law. Are you with me today? See, we can still be people as Americans that share the foundation that made this nation great. These walls have been broken down. It's, it, it's a collapse of righteousness. The Message Bible says the bottom dropped out of the country. Good people don't have a chance. Do you feel that way about your nation? For many of you, I know it's so, it's so disheartening, you don't even bother to look at the newspaper to read what's going on. It's a mess in America today. It's a mess. When people try to stand up for righteousness, they're belittled. When you just try to stand up for your family or your home or the sanctity of marriage, you're called a bigot or a hate monger. See, America has lost her moral boundaries. And we've tried to fix it by just throwing money at the problem. Come on. But money is not fixing our problem. And now even the head of the Federal Reserve says, listen, the, un the, uh, the American economy, it, it's uncertain what may happen in the future. The world doesn't want our dollar to define them anymore. Our nation is in trouble. It is in trouble morally. It is in trouble socially. It is in trouble economically. And I suggest to you what has happened in America is America has lost its righteous foundation. The wall has been broken down and God is looking for people that will stand up and rebuild that wall of righteousness in America. Come on. Rebuild the wall in the family and the home. Rebuild the walls in the church to rebuild. Come on, America. So we once again can be that greatest nation taking the gospel to the uttermost parts of the world. But it starts, listen, it starts with God doing construction in our own lives so we become stronger, focused, righteous people, and then we can be a voice in our nation. Are you with me this morning? That's what was going on in, in Nehemiah's day. And here's something that I've noticed, is we're going to kind of focus the message in just a second on this person of Nehemiah and our heart. You know how many people were, were there when Nehemiah went to Jerusalem? See, the first time when the exiles went, it was over 42,000 people. 42,000 people had walked around broken down walls, listen, for several decades. And they just got used to the condition. Well, I want to ask you, my friends, are you just used to the problems that we deal with in America? Are you used to the problems we deal with in our school systems? Are you used to the violence? Are you used to the racism? I had hoped when President Obama became our president that we would have, as he talked about, a greater racial harmony in America. But it seems to me like it's worse now than it was. Come on, can we be real? It seems like it's worse. It seems like there's more hostility. There's more easily offended. and, and, and it, America's in trouble. 42,000 people walked by these dilapidated walls in Jerusalem and nobody did a thing. But one day, God found a man that heard about the condition and this one man God used to turn that nation back on track. His name was Nehemiah. Let me read his story to you this morning. Go with me to Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 2. Now, Nehemiah, once again, well, let me read you his story and then I'll talk about him. In verse 1, these words of Nehemiah, and he speaks in verse 2 about a friend named Hanani. He came with certain men from Judah. Here's the picture. Nehemiah is still in Babylon. 
He's got this plush job. He's working for the king as his cupbearer, which means he tasted the, the food and the bread and the wine. He had a great little job, a little setup back in Babylon. They were no longer treated as poorly as they were, but he's still there, but he's concerned about the people in Jerusalem. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And listen to this now. And they said these words to me. The remnant there in the province who survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. I want you to think of the spiritual parallels today. Think of the problems in homes, in families, in our school systems, in our nation today, in our own personal lives as Christians. Think about how many people that are addicted to pornography, come on, alcohol, drugs, how many people are hooked on methamphetamine, all the problems that are going on around us. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. Now verse 4, as soon as I heard these words, what did he do? He sat down and what did he do? He wept. Now when I read this, my heart had to stop because I think sometimes I'm hardened and calloused by what's going on. Before I went on vacation, I, I knew four different couples that, whose marriages were falling apart. And it was almost like one, two, three. It, every phone call is trouble. And you just sometimes you get used to the trouble. It's like, will it ever change? But something happened. Nehemiah didn't get used to it. Something was different in his heart. And this whole message this morning is about your heart and about my heart that is in desperate need of something to go on inside me so I can be a modern-day Nehemiah. When I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for days. Can you imagine this? When I look at the television newscast, when I read it on my phone, when I, when I read articles, it makes me angry. I get mad. I want to throw something. I want to say, what's wrong with what's going on in our world? What's wrong with these people? But Nehemiah didn't just get mad. He got desperate in the place of prayer. Listen now. He began to draw near to God. He began to call out to God. He began to seek the face of God. And he is mourning and crying out for days. And he's fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Listen, after I read my secular news sources, I went to Charisma, has, a, has an online section. I was reading the news there. I was amazed at how many people across America are calling Christians to fast and pray for the nation's future. The midterm elections that are coming up in November are not just about Republican and Democrat and liberal and conservative. It's a fight for the righteous soul of America. Listen now. And a born-again godly... Listen, you can be a spirit-filled person and have a different party hat on, but you know what a spirit-filled person, how they should live and how they should behave. Are you with me this morning? See, all of America and all the world knows that the future of America is in many respects going to be determined by the political elections that come up this fall. It just is. We are heading down the abyss of socialism in America today. We are following... It, isn't it amazing if you followed how America through now nationalized health care, and thank God for doctors and nurses, and everybody should listen. Everybody needs a doctor sometimes. But how many know ultimately the government cannot do that for us? Britain has tried to do it for, what, 68 years, and finally they threw their hands up in the air and says, we can't do it. We're going to put the power back in the hands of the doctors. But our president appoints a man who has applauded the system in Britain, so we're going to follow their errors. It's like Russia several years ago when the Berlin Wall came down. They were going away from communism and towards capitalism, which is freedom. And we as Americans were going towards government control and communism. 
See, we've lost some sense of moral bearing and we've let politicians define the issues, come on, rather than the men of God in the Bible. Because it's an issue about truth and righteousness. See, freedom is God's idea. Where do you think the phrase came from, let my people go? Moses and the people of Israel that were captive in Egypt and there was a desire for freedom. Well, this whole sense you can see here in these walls here in Nehemiah. But Nehemiah's heart was broken for the nation. And here's the deal. He didn't just get upset about it. He did something. And when I look in the mirror, I'm 53. I realize I've got less years in the way I'm going than I've got behind me. Come on. And you don't know how many years you've got left. You can be younger than me, but I guarantee you, you look in the obituary page today and there are people your age that will be in that paper God has put you on this earth for a purpose. There is, a, there, there, there is deliberateness. You are not an accident, and you're on this earth to do more than just have fun and make a little money. Somebody say, praise the Lord. See, life is more than a vacation. A vacation is a getaway so you can go back and be a better you. And advancing the kingdom of God as a Christian. Nehemiah seemed to have this heart, and this is what I'm asking God to give me. God, give me that heart. Would you do some construction in me? Would you do whatever is necessary, Lord? Make me slow down. Make me stop. Uh, make me put on a heart. Work in me, Holy Spirit. I wish we had a sign rather than men working. I wish we could say, Holy Spirit working. I want the Holy Spirit to work on my heart. See, I've got some attitudes that need adjusting. How about you? See, I've got some things just in my character and my soul that I don't want to just live with. I need some heart construction. How about you? The church does. The nation does. But listen, verse 11, the way this man prayed. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name. And give me success today and grant me mercy in the sight of this man. I was the cupbearer to the king. Now, we can't relate to this because we don't live in a society that has a king and his servants. But basically, Nehemiah, though he had a great job, he was still a servant. And he had no rights before that king. And if that king saw that he was perplexed or sad, he could, have his, he could be beheaded on the spot. So he literally was going to put his life in his hands. And in verse 3, he goes to the king and he said, Why shouldn't my face be sad? Listen, when the city... The place of my father's graves lies in ruins and its gates have been burned by fire. Now, I wonder sometimes when I look at the world, do I just see my problems and my desires and my wishes and my dreams? Or do I see things the way God sees them? Do I see the world the way God sees them? Do I see an old 74-year-old man, listen, that was drooling a little bit? Selling watermelons, trying to make a buck? Or do I see somebody that is in desperate need of Christ? See, when I pulled onto the property, I saw somebody that all I wanted for them was a watermelon so I could go home and Linnell was cooking dinner that night. But when I was there just a few minutes, the burden of the Lord began to capture my heart. And I realized this man needs Christ. And though I was on vacation, I got out of vacation mode and got back in kingdom mode. Come on. And he was right there. He was like a piece of fruit. It could have just been picked from the tree. See? It's a kingdom response to what's going on in the world. Why should my face be sad? Look at verse 4. The king said to me, what are you requesting? And in the middle of his conversation with the king, he prayed. 
And he said, I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if I've found favor, send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, so I can rebuild it. Now, think about this just a minute. This is a guy that's got everything going for him. He has a great job. He's making good money. I guarantee you he's got nice clothes. He didn't have a thing to worry about for the rest of his life. But rather than just staying in this place of comfort, something inside him pushes him out of his comfort zone to say, I'm going to go advance the kingdom. I want to make a difference in this world. And it's that kind of heart that I'm wanting in me. How about you? I don't want to get to the end of my days and just look in the mirror and say, I've had a lot of fun. Come on. And I've got the latest new big screen TV that's out there. Come on. And I've got the latest car that's out there and I killed the biggest turkey in Texas. How about that? I want more than my life with that. I want to be someone that's made a difference in this world. And I think you do too. Come on, someone say praise the Lord this morning. See, you do too. To come to church on a Sunday morning in the middle of July, there's a hunger, listen, in your heart. It may not be where it needs to be, but it's way better than it could be. And I want to encourage you, let this be a season where you allow the Holy Spirit to do some construction in your life. Because here's something I know in a big way. If God, before God can do something big through me, He's got to do some construction in me. Before He'll do something big through me, I've got to let Him do some construction in me. Listen, I've got some attitudes that need to be dealt with. Maybe I treat people poorly. The world is just messed up. And we're messed up. And we can't even get along as Christian people sometimes. We don't keep our word. Listen, we, we, we divorce, we hurt our children. We steal, we rob from one another, we rob from God. We live just like the world is. Can I tell you, we need some construction in our lives so that God can rebuild His church, so His church can help rebuild the foundations of America. America needs the righteous foundations rebuilt. Nobody's going to do it from Washington, friend. Listen, it starts with the people of God who have the heart like Nehemiah did, who God can use to make a difference. Somebody say praise the Lord. Let's go just a little bit further here this morning. This is about your heart today. Before God does something big through you, He's got to do something He's got to do some construction in you. Now, let me ask you this. Let me ask you some questions as Pastor Nick comes. Do you need God to start a construction project in your heart? Let me just be quiet. Do you need God to do some construction in your heart? Are there some attitudes and priorities in your heart that need to be repaired? Are there some things? Are you satisfied with your spiritual life? Well, let me give you a bigger question. Is God satisfied with your spiritual life? See, you can't compare yourself to somebody else. You have to look in the mirror and say, is God satisfied with my spiritual life? When I look in the mirror, I know, listen, I know that there's something more that God has for me. Come on. The question of heaven has been settled, but there's something more that God has me on this planet for. See, there's some more light that God wants me to bring to the world. There's something that God has for me. I wonder, are you like the thousands of people who walked by those broken walls in Jerusalem and never did a thing? Or do you have a heart like Nehemiah? Because America needs a new generation of Nehemiahs to rise up and to say that it's wrong. It's wrong that what's going on in our world today. And I'll stand up for it even if it's a price to pay. I talked to a preacher friend last night. I texted some friends and just a very simple little text message and 
basically said, pray for God's anointing in your pulpit tomorrow. Be a righteous voice. America desperately needs you. One of my friends texted me back and he said, interesting you sent that to me. I just got back from a, a week with pastors and we were talking about the future of America. And there was a pastor there that was from California. He said this was one of the lead pastors with Prop 8. is basically trying to take a stand for marriage between a man and a woman. And let me say this first of all, most importantly. As a Christian, I realize that I am a sinner like anybody else is a sinner. And there's no sin that's any different. Adultery and fornication and homosexuality, listen, are all sins in the sight of God. But just because you may struggle with something doesn't mean that you have to embrace another struggle. So people stood up in California. And that man told me, he said he had bricks thrown through his car window by people that were against him. He had to hire security guards. Listen, now you didn't see this on the news. Had to hire security guards to protect him. He was afraid for his life simply because he wanted people to say marriage should be between a man and a woman. It's the world we live in today. And we can either watch the walls crumble or we can have courage to stand up. Whether that wall is in your home and your children are begging and pleading, Daddy, don't leave Mommy. Or whether the wall is something big in our culture or whether it's a wall that's in your workplace that's broken down that desperately needs a righteous man or righteous woman to stand up. See, our spiritual life is determined by what's going on in our heart. See, when the Bible talks about the heart... It's talking about the real you, where your attitudes come from, where your decisions are made, what's important to you. The Bible says this. Listen, the Bible says your heart can be wicked. It can be stubborn, hard, lukewarm. Your heart can be apathetic, selfish, busy with iniquity. All Bible verses I could give you. Your heart can be proud. It can be set on selfish gain or deceived. Or, listen now, your heart can be tender towards God. It can be obedient. It can be blameless towards God. It can be steadfast in your allegiance. It can be right with God. That was the kind of heart Nehemiah had. And what I'm suggesting to you, we need to invoke God and ask God to do some construction in our hearts so that we can be the people He wants us to be in this life. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Listen, uh, uh, Jeremiah said an amazing scripture. See, your heart can be one way or another. In Deuteronomy, the Bible talked about God giving them a new heart. But here in Jeremiah, look at this scripture. Jeremiah 4, 3. says, this is what the Lord says to the people of Judah and Jerusalem. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts. Can you read that with me? Plow up the hard ground of your hearts. Look at that. Plow it up. It's like if you've watched those tractors on the side of the road or maybe you farmed, that big implement goes in and it, it, it breaks things up where there's hardness. It says, don't waste your good seed among thorns. People of Ju Judah and Jerusalem, surrender your pride and power. Change your hearts before the Lord. And I mean, if the Bible says you can change your heart before the Lord, then you can change your heart. See, so it's something about God working at me, but it's something about me making those choices. I think this is the key for the turnaround in your life, the turnaround in your family, and the turnaround in our nation, is if we let God do some construction in our own hearts and minds. How about that? That if we let the Holy Spirit take us to another level, rather than men working on us, that we let the Holy Spirit start working on us, and we say yes to the Lord, I guarantee you it'll make a huge big difference in the world. Give the Lord a big hand today.
Well, this is a series we're going to be on probably for a while, but we're starting today with the heart because this is where it all begins. But let me say this to you this morning, too. Do you know that Jesus Christ is undertaking the biggest construction project the world has ever seen? Let me say it again. Jesus Christ is undertaking the biggest construction project the world has ever seen. Jesus said in the book of Matthew, he told Peter this, Upon this rock, I'm going to do what? Say it again. Build my church. What is build? I'm doing construction. And then what did he say? The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And here's something I know. The church, church on the rock and the church in America is not where it needs to be. And as we allow the Holy Spirit to bring us to a different place, to do remodeling work in us, to do changes in us, guess what He's going to do? He's going to bring us to a higher place, and we're going to be a holy bride. Because Jesus is not coming back for a mess. How many know He's coming back for a holy and a blameless and a righteous bride? And I want to be a part of that. How about you? And here's something I know. Till He gets here, before God does something big through me, He's got to do some construction in me. And I want to invite you to enter into a journey with me over these coming weeks. To let God do some work in us. Let God do some work in our church. And when, as God works in us, guess what is going to happen? It's going to spill over into your world. It's going to spill over into your school. It's going to spill over into your workplace. It could even spill over once again into the places of power in America today. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God can turn this nation around once again? If my people, which are called by my name, shall do what? Humble themselves. If they'll pray, if they'll turn from their wicked ways, if they'll seek His face, what will God do? God said He'd hear from heaven and He'd heal our land. Come on, America needs the healing hand of God. It starts with the construction in our hearts, allowing the Holy Spirit to do with us what He wants to do. Now here's how we want to close this morning. I want to pray for you, but I realize this at this point. My prayer won't do a bit of good if it's, unless it comes from your own heart. And let's pray this this morning. Let's give God an opportunity, a brand new opportunity in this new spiritual season to do some changes in our heart. To make us into the kind of person He wants us to be. Could you do maybe a symbolic act? I want you to just put your hands together like this in front of you. And then I want you to just close your eyes and I want your hands to represent your heart not your physical organ that pumps blood, but the real you. It's your attitudes, it's your priorities, it's, it's the way you really are inside. It's not the way people see you, but it's you. It's who you are. It's what's important to you. It's, it's what comes out of you. It's where your decisions and actions come from. And it's here, Holy Spirit, we want to ask you to do some construction. Would you just begin to pray that now? Would you say, Lord, would you just begin to do some change in me? Would you do some rebuilding in me? Would you make me into the kind of person you want me to be? Just like our state planners one day realized the Texarkana interchange system is not enough. We've got to rebuild it. So they set aside $150 million in four years of time and said, we're going to make it better. And Lord, we're in that process right now. We observe it when we leave this parking lot. But Lord, when we look in the mirror, we're observing another process that's more important. It's the process of building and rebuilding and reconstructing and constructing that you want to do in our life. And we simply want to say, Holy Spirit, have your way. Could you say that? Have your way. It's the Lord's Prayer. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. I just give you the right, Jesus, to change my life and to make me into the person that you want me to be. And Lord, we would all pray together today, too, that you would change our church. They would change this place at Church on the Rock. It may be good, but I know it can be better. And those places that are already better, would you just go ahead and bring them up a notch and make them the best? 
so that we can be the best body of believers that we can be to bring you glory. And one last prayer, Lord. Would you rebuild the righteous foundation in America? Would you let our heart be burdened? When we read the email and we see the internet article, we hear the newscast, we listen to a, a politician speak to us, rather than getting angry, Lord, might our heart be broken. Might we mourn and weep and fast. Might we seek the face of God for this great nation. And we bless America today. We bless our president today. We bless our congressmen, congresswomen. We bless the governors. We bless today, America, and we pray that we would become once again one nation under God. There would be no question whether or not you can print it or say it in a public school system. Maybe once again we'd have a day where Bibles would be freely proclaimed. Once again, that we would be proud of the God of heaven. So we welcome you today. Lift your hands to heaven. We ask you to fill us, God. We pray that your presence would fall afresh on us even today. Would you just pray that? Just say, Holy Spirit, would you just visit me in a brand new way? Would you visit me in a brand new way? Visit our nation. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Anybody say it? Amen. Hey, it was a good day today, wasn't it? Praise the Lord. Now look, in just a second, those kids have got some tacos and stuff. You can either eat in there and hang out. And it's not just a meal to eat, to get something to eat. It's a chance for you to connect with friends. I can't think of a better way to meet some new people than just kind of hang out, whether you eat there, take it home, or eat in the park. But before you get up and go, could I ask just two more minutes, just kind of eyeball, eyeball? I ask you a real serious question. Remember the story I began with about the guy on vacation, the older man? I pulled up and he was pricing watermelons and cantaloupes. He said, I want to give you something. He cut up that piece of cantaloupe said, taste that. It's probably the best cantaloupe you've ever eaten. And it was real good. But it was like he wasn't aware about what was coming. He wasn't aware when I drove up that he was going to have the potential to have his life changed and set on the right track for Christ for all eternity. Well, you've got that same opportunity today. And all I am is a messenger. All I am is somebody bringing good news today and, and tell you this. Jesus Christ can change your life. Jesus Christ can take a broken life and fix it. He can take something that is just a mess. We went fishing one day with Rebecca and Linnell. And they called me and said, Oh, the fishing pole is tangled up and all this line. Let's just cut it out. Jesus knows how to pick it apart. And Jesus knows how to take that web and straighten it out until it works the way it's supposed to work. He can do that with your life. See, I was raised in church all my life. Mom made me go, and I thank God for that. But I thought going to church was all it was, but it's just not true. See, being a Christian is about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And man told me that one day when I was 19 years of age, just like I told that man of 74 years of age, Jesus Christ would give you a brand new start. But you've got to believe in Him. You've got to put your trust and your faith in Him. You've got to believe that He died on the cross for your sins and that He rose from the dead. You've got to believe that He's alive today. And then you've got to do something big. You've got to be one to turn and follow Him. And that Gideon, in 1976, asked me if I wanted to follow Christ. And I said, yes. So I'm going to ask you the same question today. Do you need to make a decision to follow Christ today? Do you want to put your life in His hands? Do you want to ask for His forgiveness? So not join the church. This is getting you right with God. So if you're here today, whether it's the first time you've ever prayed a prayer for salvation, asking for Christ's forgiveness, or maybe you've done it in the past and you've gotten away from God, but today you want a brand new start with God, we'd be honored to pray with you. So if you're here today and say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. 
I want to get my life right with Christ. Would you just lift your hand, do it real bold, and do it quick. Do it quick. God bless you. God bless you. Give him a big hand over there. God bless you, dear, in the back, too. God bless you. Other people here. God bless you, too, pal. Somebody else. I need to get right with Christ today. Come on, there's others that are here this morning. I need to get right with Christ today. I need to get right my life right with Christ today. Why don't you come on up let us pray with you. You that lifted your hand, come on up let us pray with you. This is the first step towards your new life. Come on, give them a big hand as they come. Come up, dear. Bring your friend with you. Come on up, pal. Let us pray with you today. We want something we want to give you. We want to pray with you. Bring your friend with you. We won't embarrass you. I promise you. We want to pray with you. We want to pray with you today. Here's what I know. If you can't make a step when people are clapping their hands, you'll never do it on Monday morning at work, will you? No. But when you have the guts to walk towards... Here we go. Give him a big hand. God bless you, man. God bless you. It takes guts. It takes guts to make steps to Christ. It takes guts. It takes guts. It takes guts. It takes guts to make steps to Christ. Whether it's the first one or coming back. Let me tell you something. God bless you, God. Jesus loves you, dear. He loves you. And I know life is hard and mean, but it's not God's fault. We live in a world. Listen, things have fell apart since the devil came in the world with Adam and Eve. But Jesus puts them back together, and he's the only hope, and he'll never let you go. I know that's real. I know it's real. I know it's real. We're real proud of you today. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to let some other people talk with you. They're going to pray with you. Make sure you don't have, make sure you have any questions. I'll answer them for you. And they're going to give you something to kind of help you know what to do next. Because here's the deal. Christianity is not a decision like going to a movie, and I like the movie, and I left it. It's a way of life. And as you start to read your Bible, as you pray, as you get with other Christians, people that love you, people that are strong, people that can help you when you fall, guess what? You make it to the end of this thing, and God will be with you all your days. But we are super proud of you today and just honored that you've made this step to Christ. And we're going to give a friend a chance to ask you some questions and talk with you, and they'll pray for you. Y'all just go ahead and pray with them right now. Give them one more big hand. We're real proud of you guys. Praise the Lord. Listen, you bring someone next week and we'll talk to them about Christ again. And uh, praise the Lord. It's a good day. Are you ready to be under construction? Good deal. Hey, if you want more information about our church, if you'd like to make this your church home, right behind our sanctuary, we have the, the connector and we have some pastors and elders that would love to meet with you after service. Okay, let's all stand up. On three, with the top of your lungs, we're going to yell, God changes. And I mean, from the top of your lungs. On three, one. Two, three. God changes.